0: what's good y'all good monday night it's your man uncle dub episode 67 is on deck we're gonna cover the waterfront tonight we're gonna talk college football college basketball nfl WNBA. we're gonna talk good bad and different we got black people winning stay tuned after the drop we're gonna get at this Episode sixty seven, the Sports Wagon podcast. Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram. It is Uncle Dub, I T S U N C L E underscore D U B. So, uh, a lot of info, a lot of interesting things happening today. Uh, the big story today: Alex Smith retired from the NFL. So he did an Instagram video, kind of chronicling his career and chronicling his uh, return from the serious injury that uh, that was a you know, major setback in his career. Um, so he officially retired he was released last month from the Washington football team uh, the team that he joined in 2017 um, so Alex Smith if you recall he was the top pick of the San Francisco 49ers in 2005 he played 16 years total in the NFL he was the 2020 comeback player of the year after returning from a compound leg fracture that he suffered in 2018 so because of that compound fracture he had 17 surgeries so primarily the big issue with his leg was infection. There was a strong chance that he could have lost that leg due to um the infection. So he almost had the leg amputated. Um in the video, he kind of talked about, you know, he, you know, just thought about not he didn't think about football at the time. He thought about, you know, having the ability to, you know, walk with his family, you know, play with his kids and walk with his wife. And then, you know, while he was in recovery, someone gave him a football and he was able to kind of for a moment kind of Think about the possibility of coming back and playing football again. Um, So, you know, 17 surgeries, uh, you needed an external fixator. So I don't know if you've ever seen one of these or you happen to watch the video. Essentially, it's like a halo. So if you've ever seen someone with a halo, like a neck halo, basically, it's like a iron or metal ring. And they have all these screws and bars in it. So it kind of basically helps to keep everything in place so i've seen halos where people have had massive skull injuries um he had essentially kind of a smaller version around his right leg and he also developed something called drop foot which i don't know exactly what that is but it obviously does not sound very good um so as i mentioned he was the comeback player of the 2020 season Um, So as he said, he had eight years in San Francisco, then he left and went to Kansas City. He was there for four years. I think uh, when Patrick Mahomes was drafted, he was sent in trade to the Washington football team. Um, So in his career, he had 167 starts. He won almost 100 games. So he was one game short. He won 99 games, down 67, and and tied one game. So he threw for 35,650 yards, 199 touchdowns, and 109 interceptions so after being released he reunited with his former college coach urban meyer so if you recall urban meyer before he was urban meyer we knew he was at utah and he coached alex smith there he considered signing with jacksonville but at the time he really had his heart set on retiring so he you know kind of had a moment of pause in his decision but he instead decided to go ahead and retire from the nfl And, you know, the video, you know, if you're on Instagram, please watch the video. The video was very nice. I mean, again, you got to see, you know, him. You know, he said he never thought, you know, uh, you know, a guy of his stature. Because when you look back at his pictures of him from Utah, I mean, he was a skinny guy. I mean, he, he looks he looked like a shell of his current self. And I mean, obviously, he was much younger then. But at the same time, too, you know, he never thought that he would be in the position that he was in, you know, he he was a Heisman finalist and um you know the top pick in the draft, you know, and of course, you know playing for Urban Meyer at that time because again, after Urban Meyer left Utah, he went to Florida because there was if you remember during that time there was a lot of talk that Urban Meyer was, you know, possibly going to leave Utah and go to Notre Dame, as we know that didn't happen. He ended up going to Florida and then of course, he made his last pit stop in college at Ohio State. Now, as we know, he's with the Jacksonville Jaguars, about to go into his first draft as a NFL head coach. And we all know how that's going to start uh, with the, what, the number, oh, my God, number two number two pick? Yeah, the number two pick uh, in the draft, so or one pick. Anyway, whatever. It uh, doesn't matter. He's got a pretty good pick, and we all know he's who he's going to pick. Um, so, nevertheless, um, you know, Alex Smith, you know, one, one of those things, when, when I saw the report, I don't think I was terribly surprised because at the same time, I was like, well, you know, considering everything he's been through, um, it's kind of one of those situations where y- you think about, you know, just the the real life situation that he that he had to face, when that he had to face, the idea that, you know, he had this horrible injury. And then he thought about, you know, what if I'm not able to do just the basic things I want to do with my family? And I think in the article, they mentioned that he he went recently went snowboarding, which, you know, I've never been snowboarding, but it looks very, very challenging to do. And if you think about what he's been through, I mean, he played last season. He played, I think, like five or six games last season. Um, you know, got the team to the playoffs, um, and it wasn't able to go in that playoff game, as with Taylor Heineke, he got, his, uh, got his, uh, his start and his, you know, almost got them, past the eventual Super Bowl champions. But um, but to think about the fact that, you know, he said that, you know, he wants to take some time off to do the things that he thought about that he would never be able to do. I mean, it's just fantastic. And, uh, you know, he seems like a guy. And I think Andy Reid, as I'm thinking about this, watching watching the video, I said, you know what? I bet you he would probably go into coaching. And what's crazy, Andy Reid said if he ever goes into coaching, and I don't think he will, I want first dibs on the guy. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I think you know what? I think Alex Smith. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. You might see him coaching. I think he would probably make a decent coach. I mean, um, I mean, again, you know, just kind of from what I've seen of him, just from a personality standpoint. I mean, we all know that, you know, just because you played a sport does not necessarily mean it translates to coaching. We've seen plenty of examples of that, but. Nevertheless, you know all the best to Alex Smith. You know it's it's you know it's unfortunate the accident that happened. I mean it's part of the game, but it was just so terrible, and for it to kind of, you know, in the in his career like this, it's kind of a blessing in disguise because again he gets to enjoy the things that you want to enjoy with life. So I mean he's got so much ahead of him. So you just hope for the best for him. And uh, what's to come for him and his family. So kind of moving from that to another former famous NFL or so you probably heard this news last week. So Eddie George is now the new head football coach at Tennessee State. So that was announced a week ago. So so this episode has been rewritten because I was supposed to do this episode last week. But stuff happens, you know, it's called life. Um, so he replaced. Ron Reed, who was the coach at Tennessee state for 10 and a half years. Uh, he had, he was uh, nine games below 500. So he was 60 and 69 in those 10 and a half years. The school did not renew his contract. So we all know Eddie's resume, Ohio state running back, the 1995 Heisman trophy winner. He goes on to play seven years for the Tennessee Titans. He was a four-time pro bowler, two-time all pro and the 1996 NFL offensive rookie of the year. No coaching experience, but he reached out to Deion Sanders, and I thought that this was such a, a great story. So he reached out to Dion, and he kind of wanted to understand, not so much the coaching. I mean, we know that Eddie George knows football, but he kind of wanted to understand kind of like what's the, you know, how unique is it to coach at the HBCU? And, you know, Dion encouraged him. He goes, you know, you are the right man for this job. You are in the right position. We need you. You can do this. And um, and he, he ran with it. He took he he accepted the position because this was like a report like last Tuesday, like Twitter was jumping. And I'm going, wait, are you serious? Is this a real thing? Because, of course, it was like sources are saying. And then as the day went on, it was, you know, found to be true. I'm sorry. Last Monday, rather, it was found to be true. So then the next day, next Tuesday, last Tuesday, um, the announcement was made. So he has no coaching experience, but He knows the game of football now. Dion, on the other hand, as you remember, he was coaching his his kids in high school, and then of course Jackson State comes calling, and he goes to coach Jackson State. Um, So I believe Dion. I think their season's over. I think they finished four and three this season. So not a bad season. But here's my thing. You know, you know Dion having that coaching experience. I mean. Look, Jackson State going to be all right regardless, because first of all, he's bringing in the players and it's going to be interesting to see whether the players will begin to move in that direction, because we're kind of starting to see this. We're starting to see, you know, a lot of these players, not all, but a lot of really good players are kind of pivoting and gravitating towards these HBCU HBCUs to play their college sports, whether it be football or basketball. We've seen a couple movements in basketball. Uh, we're seeing a little bit more in football. And I think it's, you know, because of kind of a lot of, you know, a lot of the the shift that we're seeing in society, whereas, you know, we're seeing a lot of, you know, let's face it, you know, uh, a lot of the issues that we're seeing as far as far as racism and inequity, it's, it's always been there. It's not like it just started four years ago. It's always been there. It's just becoming more and more of a chasm and a lot of these young men and these young women who are playing sports they're starting to look at their options and they are looking at hbcus and i think these are very viable options and i've always said this has been my opinion i've always said look a lot of these young men and women want to go to these big schools and that's fine wherever you go i tell i tell people two things number one twitter there's always that oh hbcu versus pwi argument stop it okay get in where you fit in go to school where you're comfortable if they've got the academics if they've got the the social aspect that you want if it's going to help you to grow as a person i don't care where you go to school number one now obviously for the cultural aspect of it For the, you know, the the feeling of, you know, being amongst your peers and, you know, kind of being able to fully be yourself. Yes, HBCU is a fantastic uh, way to go. But at the same time, you know, you have to weigh your options because, you know, these young men and women are thinking about, you know, the next level is, you know, for the women is basketball, um, you know, and other opportunities depending on the sport. Um, you know, for for the guys, it's you know football and basketball primarily. There are other uh, sports, but it's just you know my whole thing is you know getting where you fit in. That's that's always been my thing. So the other thing is you know again the cultural aspect of this that you're going because you know you get to uh, you know be amongst people like yourself, and you also are in a situation where. You are, you know, you, you're you're learning about more, learning more about your culture if you didn't get that in high school, and we're getting less and less of that. We let's not be let's not kid ourselves there, but especially when you have, not necessarily, you know, you know, I would consider Deion a you know, he's definitely a celebrity, but he's not. I don't think he is using that role as a way to. What am I trying to say? If he shows up at some recruit's house, you know who he is, okay? And he's going to, you know, have some discussions about certain things. But at the end of the day, he's going to sit down and talk to you about, okay, I want you to come to school because you can bring something. You bring value to this program. And you would be good here. Now, if you were thinking, oh, I'll get to play for Deion Sanders, that's great. Now, it's not going to be easy because he's a coach. He's a football coach. He's going to be on you. He wants you to do your very best. So there are a lot of benefits to this in a lot of ways. So I think that Eddie George doing what he's doing, um, again, it's another familiar face. I mean, now maybe to some of these kids, they have to go to YouTube and maybe or maybe talk to their parents and be like, so who is this guy? <laughs> and, and, that's, and that's the other thing, too. I mean, Eddie George and Dion are not old guys. They are, I mean, I, you know, they played, I watched them play. They're not old guys, but for these young kids, they're old, but yet their parents could more like, more likely, you know, know who they are and say, well, watch this video. And, but again, that gap between them and their players is a little bit smaller because sometimes these coaches especially coaches who coach for a very long time sometimes there's that gap in trying to remain uh, in a position where you can relate to them and i think that's where a lot of coaches begin to start to lose the grip on their program when they can't um when, when they don't relate as well to their players so i had to take a sip mouth getting a little dry so um congratulations to eddie george um uh you know this this is just i, I can just see this is going fairly well and um i believe tennessee state and jackson state will face off in football i believe september 11th so let me look at the date yes they're gonna play september 11th so i am hoping that w- somebody ESPN, ABC, somebody's going to have this game on TV because I want to see this for myself. I mean, Jackson State, they were blowing teams out early in the season. So they play seven, up four, down three. They were destroying teams. I'm interested to see what they're going to look like moving forward. And I'm also seeing what Eddie George is going to bring to the table. Like, you know, his players are coming in who he can recruit. And, you know, the types of things he's going to do, because I think uh, if I recall correctly, there's going to be some from, some former NFLers, some pretty big names who are going to be on his staff. Um, as another aside to this, I was I was hearing in the report that I was reading and talking about uh, Eddie George reaching out to Deion Sanders that Ray Lewis and Ed Reed have shown some interest interest in coaching some HBC, HBCUs. Now, that's interesting. I don't know what Ray Lewis is doing these days. I thought Ed Reed, last I heard, I thought he was the chief of staff at uh, University of Miami football. So, I don't know if he's still there, if he's, you know, he's like chief, like Ed Reed's like chief of staff and like uh, like advisor to uh, Manny Diaz. That's my understanding. So... I, you know is is he thinking about you know leaving that position to go coach i mean that's kind of what i read in the report but we'll see if anything comes of that but again you've got two hall of famers who are interested in leading hbcu programs and i just think that you know this is just uh you know just so good for these schools um a note from college football as we speaking on college football joe milton so the quarterback from michigan from last season he is now transferring the reports sources of reports are saying he's transferring to tennessee so josh Hypel so who's the new head coach um he could use joe milton uh he's looking for a quarterback to kind of get that offense ramped up Uh, Milton didn't really have a great season. Um, uh, He had a little over a thousand yards, four touchdowns, five interceptions and five starts from what the report stated. He entered the transfer transfer portal two months ago. Um, He's going to graduate from Michigan in May. So he'll end up at Tennessee as a grad transfer. So as a reminder uh, across all NCAA sports, at least going into the fall, if you transfer, you get to play immediately. So if you're a regular undergraduate or graduate transfer, you play immediately. Now, the NCAA is uh, reportedly working on a plan to make that permanent. So in other words, the issue with transfers at this point was there were some players who would transfer. And then when they after they transfer, some would have to sit a year or they would have to sit a year. Some coaches would put in transfer waivers. The NCAA was saying some waivers would be approved. Others would not be. Tom Izzo, I think I talked about that. Tom Izzo had this problem last season. He had two transfers. He got uh, Joey Hauser. He got his transfer waiver approved, but there's another player whose name escapes me, didn't get his transfer waiver approved. So to solve that problem, the NCAA is basically just saying, OK, if you transfer, you get to transfer one time. And once you transfer, you can play immediately. Now, if you transfer more than once, you probably would have to sit. That's kind of the way I'm understanding the rule. But you get one transfer. Once you leave your school to another school, you can play immediately. Frankly, I think that works better because depending upon the situation uh well, think about it this way: if you're playing, you have the immediate impact. That's the that's the bottom line. Because college football this season's gonna look really different with all the transfers. The transfer season college basketball has started. There's a lot of transfers going on, and a lot of teams, especially like teams like Kentucky, they gained a they gained a lot of good players who can really make a difference for them next season to kind of turn around that truly horrific season they had i mean i don't think tennessee's had a am sorry kentucky has had a season this bad in a very very long time and now you know kentucky fans are passionate about their about their basketball without question but i'm sure you might have had a few of those fans who were kind of looking at calipari a little cross-eyed which i don't think that's fair I mean, look at his track record. He's pretty consistent. This is one bad year out of however many. I mean, you think what? Carolina had a bad season two years ago. Duke had a mess season. They just didn't go to the NCAA's. And now, same season, Kentucky just, just, just blows, just blows the wad, and they don't do anything. So, looking like they're gonna kind of turn the corner and move in the positive direction. So college basketball jalen suggs your 6'4 freshman guard from gonzaga declares for the nba draft so with him entering he's more likely going to be a top he's going to be a lottery pick probably a top three pick um really good stats for a freshman 14.4 points 5.3 rebounds four and a half assists and 1.9 steals per game he was second team all-american remember that he Hit that three-point bank shot from midcourt to put Gonzaga into the championship game over UCLA. And then, of course, as we know, they end the season with that loss to Baylor. So that season that, you know, was essentially preordained for them to win the national championship, go undefeated, did not happen. So they end with that one loss. But all is not lost for Gonzaga. The number one prospect in America, Chet Holmgren. He's a 7 1 center at 195 pounds. He commits to Gonzaga. So, Chet Holmgren is also the projected number one pick in the 2022 NBA draft. So, he went to high school with Jalen Suggs. So, they've been in communication. They've been talking. He's been kind of really giving it to him pretty straight up. He's met with Mark Few. He's made uh, a few official visits to other schools, some unofficial visits and decide on Gonzaga. Um, this is a big this is big for them. Gonzaga has a very good recruiting class coming in. so they've got two players in the top 100 and two five star picks. Holmgren being one of them. Jalen Suggs coming in last year was Gonzaga's best number one uh, best number one prospect, best prospect in program history. Now it's Chet Holmgren um so gonzaga because of the incoming class and their returning players they are currently the number one team in the way too early top 25 poll for next season um so i mean hey first of all he was just fantastic he was just fantastic and fun to watch he's he's a talent and he's only going to get that much better because in my head i'm going I can imagine what his sophomore season is going to look like. Well, no, no sophomore season, but he's going to take his talents to the NBA. And I think he's going to be pretty electric. Um, Chet Holmgren. They said coming in, he's probably one of the most dominant players in Minnesota basketball history. Um, they just say, he's just versatile in all areas around the rim, three point line. He's virtually unguardable. He averages, I believe from the, from the, uh, uh, stats I saw I think he averages a double double in just about every category if I recall correctly so he's really I mean now he's 195 so he's on the, a little bit on the thin side for you know college basketball so once he hits the weight room start working out he's really going to be a beast down low for Gonzaga the question is is he going to be a one-and-done like Jalen Suggs which with his With all his upside, and again, it's going to be interesting to see all the upside playing out next season. Will he play a season and will he stay? Now, here's the thing I'm going to say again with Gonzaga. Because they didn't finish the deal, win the national title this year. Mark Few going to get a national championship. But here's the thing. I say it again. He's going to get a a title with a team nobody's going to expect. They're not going to see it coming. Could it be this upcoming team? Who knows? It's hard to say because you don't know until you play the game. All right, when I come back, we're going to talk a little more college. We're going to talk women's college basketball. We're going to talk WNBA. Just kind of quickly recap the draft from a couple nights ago. That was good stuff. I was uh, impressed with the picks, but I was also disappointed with the experts. So I'll kind of go through that in a moment. Stay tuned. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Then, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms. You also can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, everybody, welcome back. So uh, let's start with the WNBA draft. So as I mentioned, I I did a sports wagon sprint episode with the projections for the draft. And as I was uh, thinking, reflecting on the draft uh, a, a couple days afterwards, I was just like, man, usually... When you look at the NBA draft and you look at the projections and you look at, you know, where everyone thinks everybody's going to go, usually it's pretty spot on. You might get a couple surprises in there. This draft, to me, I just thought there were just a lot of uh, missteps here. Um, When I say missteps, I mean, I just thought that a lot of the projections that I saw, I'm going, wait. So, for example, uh, at the fourth pick Kaiser Gondrasek gets picked up by the Indiana Fever. The experts had her going at least second round, like early to mid second round. I thought it was a little unusual. When I saw the projection, I'm going, wait, what? Late second round? I'm going, uh, call me crazy. But did we watch the same basketball? Because I just thought, you know, she was just, she played out of her mind this season. I mean, she really had a great season for West Virginia um if you watch her she's got quick quickness she's a you know she can get her shot off um uh the first two picks were pretty standard we pretty knew we pretty much knew charlie collier was gonna be the first pick a walk from finland was the second pick so the dallas wings got their first two picks and then it all went straight to you know where so uh, Arella Gorantes from Rutgers, she fell, I believe, to about the second or third round. Um, the third pick, Atlanta Dream, picked up Aerie McDonald from Arizona. So it really, the NCAA tournament, as I mentioned, really improved hers and many other players' draft stock. So she got pushed up. Um, you can say the same about Kaiser Gondrasek, as I mentioned. Chelsea Dungy, she moved up a little bit, as well as Michaela, Michaela Oniwere. So some surprises, shyla Hill from Australia, she uh, uh, pushed into the uh, top 10. So she got picked up by the Chicago Sky. So again, her name came up, but again, a little bit lower, second round in the projections. Uh, Renaya Davis, um, she got picked up by Indiana as well. And I believe she dropped a little bit. So again, she was supposed to go um, about, she was actually supposed to go fourth. She actually got picked up uh Ninth So um, I'm sorry Minnesota rather I'm sorry She got picked up by Minnesota I'm sorry So she got picked up by Minnesota So she dropped a couple spots Everyone thought she was going to go Somewhere in the Actually about five spots They thought she was going to go uh, Fifth And then of course There were a few names That kind of popped up That I didn't see on my radar So like Stephanie Watts From North Carolina She went tenth uh, And then Aaliyah Wilson So Folks like Kiana, uh, Kiana Williams, she uh, was projected to go top 10. She ended up going to uh, Seattle in the second round. Um, Natasha Mack, she dropped. She was supposed to, uh, looks like she was probably going to go uh, at least to the Las Vegas Aces. Uh, they picked up uh, Ileana Rupert from France. So it was an interesting draft. And uh, again, I also thought you know, one of the other things that the experts, quote unquote, said was, you know, this wasn't a very strong draft. Never eh, been stronger, I will admit. But I thought that this draft had some really talented players. If you watched the NCAA tournament, you got to see a lot of the talent that was going to, you know, lead, you know for those who were coming out. Because at the time, there were a few players who still had the option to. You know, hang in again with the NCAA rule. They could come back for, for another season. Even Ari McDonald had the option. But I think most people knew that she was going to leave and uh, enter into the draft. So um, now the question that I have is, you know, of these players, you know, who's going to be that breakout player? Who's going to be that player that can either help to kind of play and plug themselves into their team to kind of help turn that team around because a number of these teams um you know like atlanta like new york they really kind of need uh uh, some transfer a transformative player um new york um uh you know had you know had a rough season last year um Oh, my gosh. Uh, and I hate when my mind goes blank and I, and I know a player's name. It's like I can see their face. I can't call it anyway. You know who I'm talking about. She got hurt. Um, son of a gun. Anyway, nevertheless. Um, But nevertheless, I'm wondering who's going to be that player that's really going to make the impact for their team. And also um the, the player who potentially i'm interested to think who interested to see or to think about who's going to be the potential rookie of the year here because again i think there are some really good players here and this is just going to be a really good 25th season for the WNBA. and i can't wait to see how they're gonna do all the great things that are associated with this 25th season so i'm excited and as we said the season will kick off um look at the calendar was it may was it may 15th i think so they're going to kick off in, let uh, go back to my notes here. I think it's May 14th, or May 14th. I think they're going to kick off May 14th. And I think they've got a pretty decent slate of games uh, on that Friday night. Um, let's see. A um, couple, couple things. Um, so so this is kind of falling under college coaching updates. So <laughs> I, I I wish the college coaching carousel will stop turning because there's still been some moves and, you know, we've seen some moves from, you know, some uh, non-Power 5 schools to Power 5 schools. For example, Tina Langley left Rice in Conference USA to take the head coaching job at Washington. So, you know, someone will take over Rice. You know, we'll, we'll know about it when we you know, know about it. But um, of note, Wisconsin Wisconsin fired their head coach. And they went out and hired Marissa Mosley. So Marissa Mosley becomes the first black female head coach at Wisconsin for their basketball program. She will be the second black coach in the Big Ten. So the other is the eminent Hall of Famer, C. Vivian Stringer, who just recently got a five-year extension on her contract. Um, So, again, that makes all the sense in the world because... You know, she's taken Rutgers to the Final Four twice. Um, They've, you know, had, you know, had some talented teams. Again, you know, when you think about great coaches, you know, CV Vivian Stringer is one of the greatest coaches out there right now. I mean, she is currently... Uh, one of three coaches in division one women's who have a thousand wins that would be tara vanderveer gina or and of course cvm stringer so she'll be the second black coach in big 10 she'll be the youngest coach overall she comes from boston university so let's look at this turnaround prior to her arrival as head coach boston university was 26 and 63 over the last uh, few years, how many years was she at BC BU? I don't think I wrote that down. Anyway, in her time at BU, she was 45 and 29. They went 12 and 3 this past season. Now, this was not necessarily a fluke, if you will. So, she is a former assistant under the aforementioned Gina Oriema so in that time she was a co assistant coach on five national championship teams the 2010 team and the streak from 13 to 16 so she's got five championship rings as an assistant coach and she has big Ten, big 10 assistant uh work at minnesota she was there from 07 to 09 so prior to uh, moving on to UConn and all three years she was at Minnesota, the team went to the NCAA tournament. So she knows how to get results. And if you look at the turnaround that they had at BU, I think Wisconsin definitely got this right. So in addition, she was a player. She's an alum of BU. She played there for four years from uh, 2000 to 2004. She was a member of the 2003 tournament team so she's going to go into a program. She's going to go into a program that finished dead last in the Big 10. They were 5 and 19 and 2 and 18 in the conference this past season. So she's definitely got a work cut out for her, but if anyone can turn this around looking at her track record, it will be Marissa Mosley. So today it was announced that her point guard Katie Nelson is transferring as a grad transfer from BU to Wisconsin. So she gets, you know, a player that she knows her uh, abilities and, and, and play. Um, Katie Nelson averaged 12 points and 4.3 assists last season and shot 40% from the three point line and was first team all Patriot league. So again, you know, we speak on this podcast about breaking barriers and the one thing that can be noted in all of the coaching changes that have taken place in college basketball this season the one thing we can say is that we have seen a great number a large number say it again a large number of black coaches male and female hired and this to some extent is it's very good without questions very good to some extent it is kind of in response to where we are as a society but here's the thing it's the thing that we've been asking for the whole time we have been asking for an opportunity that's all we want we want an opportunity we go in we do well great we go and we don't do well okay but we got the opportunity and that's what we're looking for. We want the opportunities. We're seeing a lot of it happening. We're seeing more and more black coaches. So when we talk about, you know, what happened in the women's final four with Dawn Staley and Adia Barnes, and I mentioned, you know, it's crazy in 2021 that we're talking about this because it's historic. Now, if we continue this trend, then we get to a point where it's not a big deal. Maybe it happens once, and then it happens more often. But for that to become the case, we have to see more black coaches be hired. And there have been more hires that I haven't mentioned here, but it's happening. It's coming. But look at how long it took, and look at what it took to get here. So it's crazy how... We're getting what we feel is a seat at the table, a shot to be at the table, but it kind of took something. But it's sad because where we are in America, who we are as a society, it's never the fact that we get looked at and it's like, Here's your opportunity or, you know, I you know I, I like what I see here. I'm gonna give you an opportunity. No, it's always, it takes something. It takes some event for people to go, well, maybe we should look again at these candidates or we should look at these specific candidates or here's this candidate. Oh, this candidate has everything we need and they happen to be black. Let's give them an opportunity. You know, it's crazy. It's just, it it still boggles my mind. It shouldn't, <laughs> but it does. Um, and I say it shouldn't because I'm old enough to know better and I know where I am. And I think, you know, I, I'm loving it. Like I said, black people are winning, man. And, um, you know, and, and, and again, we, we should be winning more. But... I will take the victories that we're getting because, you know, small victories over time win the war. Small victories over time win the war. And that's just it. And so congratulations to Marissa Mosley. You know, I'm, I'm excited to see what the possibilities are for Wisconsin women's basketball. All right. Last piece here. So going into speaking of, so I don't know, this, this episode has kind of flowed in a weird way. Like I'd usually kind of do news and notes. I talk about specific things, but this one's flowed in a weird way. But in what I'm about to talk about is we're pivoting to another black coach. So specifically at LSU, Nikki Fargas, and her potential successor now let me kind of address this with kit gloves so here's the issue sources are reporting that nikki fargus a resigned to lsu and b she is in talks with the las vegas aces to become their team president so here's two issues with that number one per the lsu website she's still there so you know how if someone has left and resigned they don't. They're not on the website for very long. So if someone's resigned, LSU's really holding on to the past. If this is the case, so I'm starting to think that this story. I don't know if this has come to come to pass. So here's the next piece to this. So shortly after it was announced, and this is about a week ago with the supposed resignation, because her record overall as a head coach um, is not excuse me her record overall as a head coach is not terrible so let's see overall she is 177 and 129 now this past season was not a good season for lsu they're 9 and 13 but they've got a whole bunch of folks returning i believe they have transfers coming in so here's an opportunity for lsu to kind of you know take a 9 and 13 season and flip it Coach Fargus has taken LSU to the Sweet 16 twice. It's been seven years, but they've been there. Okay. Now, here's the crazy part. We said sources are saying she's resigned. LSU still has her on the website. So the next thing that happens is here you have Kim Mulkey. So LSU fans are saying, hey, Kim Mulkey, you're from Louisiana. Come on back home. So she goes in this radio show and she sort of addresses it, but she doesn't really downplay it or she kind of talks in a way that kind of says maybe. So she, in essence, basically says that, you know, Hey, you know, we all know I'm from Louisiana. She played at Louisiana tech, if you remember. So she's a player, Louisiana tech, won a national title, assistant coach, won a national title. Then she goes on to Baylor. And as we know, she's a three time national champion and hall of famer so on this radio show i don't remember the name of the show she kind of said that you know life is funny because it's all about timing she said she's had plenty of opportunities and plenty of offers to leave baylor but you know timing is funny in a way her son played baseball at lsu her kids were born in northern louisiana so it's kind of like so she's kind of getting the the base feeling some kind of way like oh you know is Kim Monkey gonna roll out two things number one she makes about two point two million I think Nikki Fargus makes about seven hundred thousand so if these allegations are true if these sources are true because again everything I'm seeing does not lead me to believe that Nikki Fargas has left LSU. Because, again, she's still on the website. Because, like I say, we know how this works. If someone gets fired, you get scrubbed off the website. pretty I mean, you can get scrubbed off the website pretty quickly. It don't take but two keystrokes to get you off the website. She ain't gone. She's still there. So, I don't know how much. Because, again, they're saying sources are saying. Again, we don't know who these sources are. From what I'm seeing, they don't look too reliable. But, nevertheless, if this is true, then the question becomes, okay if all this turns out to be she's gone and she's going to las vegas then the next big question is this will probably be a huge move does kim Mulkey, if this is true does she does lsu make the move do they make the call and say look we know you're louisiana native you didn't play for us, but you're Louisiana through and through. Come coach the flagship school. Now, the question is, they got to make it worth a while. Because she makes us, like I said, she makes about $2.2 million. Nikki Fargus makes 700000 which, okay, you know, you, you you do the math on that one. I mean, not the real math, but the, quote air quotes, math. They got to come up with some cash. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to be, well, you know, we can make this happen for $1.5 million. I mean, now again, it may not be about the money. But come on now. Let's be real. Money talks. You get the right money. You talk the right talk. You're going to get who you want. But until this kind of gets cleared up because no one's talking. I mean, this report dropped three days ago nobody's saying anything Nikki Fargus hasn't commented LSU hasn't removed it from the website I ain't seen any change in this I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna refresh this real quick I haven't seen any change in the status of this report it's still a sources are saying type of situation where's my uh, thing here I'm, I'm actually got ESPN right up right now. And this thing is still saying she is in talks to be the president. So again, until we know what we know, it's all in the ether. It's all hearsay. And maybe somebody will give us a little bit more insight on this very soon. But to kind of end this, um, we saw what Auburn did when they hired Johnny Harris to... uh, replace uh terry or williams so we kind of kept that that balance or that number of black coaches in the sec so we got half the coaches in the sec are black women if nick Farris leaves okay we're back to six then the question is who did who do they bring in and i don't know i mean Maybe the pipe dream pick would be Kim Mulkey because the fans going to want it. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, if she's if she stays at Baylor, which, you know, we don't know if that's going to happen, because, again, you know, you want to go home. Then the question is, who will it be? So does another black woman get an opportunity? And if it all comes to pass, I'm hoping that. Another black woman gets an opportunity, bottom line. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I have talked for about, 40, about 48 minutes. And I appreciate you for listening. Thank you. Um, it feels good to be back on Monday night. It's been a little crazy with me trying to get life stuff together, work, and, you know, just being a husband and a dad. It's crazy right now but um i'm hoping to be back at you midweek or towards the end of the week um but until then listen to the episode subscribe please tell somebody about the show um hit me up on my socials talk with me i mean whatever you got now here's the thing I, again and and i swear i gotta do this and maybe i might get some time this week i really got to get back up on the nba i've not i've i've I watched, Three games at the beginning, and I've been just out of the loop because, well, the NCAA took most of my time. I was really watching all the uh, conference tournaments and college basketball, men and women. And I was watching the NCAA tournament, and then I've kind of been pivoting towards other stuff. I am seriously trying to watch a NASCAR race at some point, but I just haven't had time. I mean, I know my man Drew's going to be disappointed with me. But anyway, shout out to Drew. Again, beer god. I'm I'm going I'm gonna watch I'm gonna watch an race soon, I swear, man. I've been trying, but my Sundays are crazy. Um but anyway, uh until then, uh hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, it's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Um subscribe rate. Just just get me out there, man. I mean, um, uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. I try to, you know, bring it to you as informative, as in-depth as I can, give you my take on it. Um, But until I talk to you again, which I hope will be Wednesday, enjoy your Monday night, whatever you're doing, and be easy. Oh, and as I always say, drink your water and get vaccinated. Peace. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Sports Wagon Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend about the show. You can also send me a voicemail or send me a message on Twitter or Instagram at it's Uncle Dub. That's I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Also, please consider supporting the podcast at buymeacoffee.com backslash sports wagon pod. I really appreciate your support. Thank you.